Rallin, rallin. Rallin. You're listening to the Talk Editions podcast. Qué raro es hablar contigo en, en inglés. Why? It's because my accent. Big <laughs> is my accent. This week, we're hearing from Diana Marcela Rodriguez, a.k.a. DMR, and James Diaz. They'll give us a preview of a roundtable discussion they had with Jose Martinez from their group C3, the Colombian Composers Collective, alongside violinist Natalie Calma. This summer, we'll air their full conversation as an audio episode in Spanish, alongside a video with English subtitles. I'll let them take it from here. Okay, so hi everybody. This is Diana Rodriguez or DMR. Right now, um, I'm going to introduce you my guest, James Diaz. He's a Colombian composer and he currently is in UPenn. And today we're going to talk about the other podcast that is coming up. So this is the podcast about another podcast. And we're going to say what is special for us to do it because it's not going to be the regular podcast that TAG features. So, James, how are you doing today? Hi, Diana. Or Diana, I should Diana. say. <laughs> no, it's really nice to talk to you in English now. Um, but uh, yeah, actually, that is one of the coolest part of this idea that we were able to speak, at least for me, in my own sort of native language. Um, but yeah, so the podcast, um, it, it feels like it was a long time ago. <laughs> it, it does. It was in December, actually. But it's very, the, the topics are still held true, hold true, held true, hold true. The podcast was also with Jose Martinez. Uh, he's a composer, graduated from uh, UT Texas, and now he's in Florida. And hi, Jose, we miss you. And uh, we did it with Natalie Calma. Now she is a Venezuelan violinist and she did her master's at Boston University. So we, we talked, we had an amazing talk with them. So it was the four of us speaking in Spanish. Our conversation is about the way we create and the dynamics of creation and how this, this like, this current time, unprecedented times, uh, has pushed us in another ways and created some types of pressure or and also and also the idea of um of original work is is that a thing is it not how can we make that happen so we talk about all those good things and also part of our identity and how we are reclaiming that by using our native language like natalie's venezuelan she speaks spanish with another with a different accent than ours um even Uh, James and I are from the same city. We have some type of similar accent, but it's a little bit different than Jose mm -hmm. because he's from another city, Cali, in Colombia. So, yeah, it's it's really fun to... It was really fun mm -hmm. to finally have a group of people talking about music uh, from very different perspectives yep. in our language. So, yeah, we're making a lot of emphasis on that. Um But don't worry, uh, we're going to have captions in English and a transcription, so it's also available for our English speakers. Or if uh, you want to practice. But yeah, <laughs> so I don't know, what else would you like to share, James, about that podcast? Mm -hmm. I guess the coolest part, not, um, 
besides just speaking in Spanish, whatever, is that for me, uh, I mean, I didn't know Natalie before, but I knew you and Jose. That idea of friendship in music is really important for me, at least. Because, I mean, I met Jose back in Colombia, like maybe 10 years ago. And he was kind of a role model for the new composition students. And then we started talking more again about music, and then we became very close friends. And then he moved to the States for his studies. And so so there are this kind of part that I really love, and there is this kind of friendship behind the music making. So, and then I met you online, whatever, on Facebook. Then we create this Col- Colombian collective, right? We had a concert in Austin. Meeting C3 for me was an experience, like meeting Nicolas, Felipe, Sergio, Jose. Finally meeting you in life because I met you through Facebook. I don't know, like it was a little bit nerve-wracking because most of you guys had a lot of experience in Colombia and it's something that I felt so removed and just to have it back and just to learn, like just to listen to the, the accents is like, it's like, wow, great. Like this, like we can form connections with people that we didn't think we could. And yeah, it was really eye opening and it feels, it feels like, you felt a freedom that I didn't feel before when when speaking, because that's that's the negotiation when there is a translation that you are going to be misinterpreted. Yeah, that's true. Or like the tone that they will read those words. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but about the, about the collective, um, it was a really great experience. But we hung out before the concert in Austin. Yeah, we did. We, we got a coffee we and we talked about a lot of stuff. And But yeah, like again about the collective, I really love hearing everyone, hear their, their music, you know, but also how again they express yes, how absolutely. they compose. You see everything is connected, you know, like... We all compose very yes, differently. That's true. Of course, somebody will say, "Oh, it sounds the same crazy thing." <laughs> <laughs> but at the end, we feel that we compose differently, and we have different sounds and, and ideas. Um, and the collective is not just that the concert; it was traveling there, visiting the place, getting the tacos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, we fight a little bit. I was very little. <laughs> Arranging the uh, concert. And we, I mean, we record something too that is not being out. Remember in the in horses in horses the, the, room. Ah, that's true. Yeah, there was a mic there, and that's it. I don't know what happened with that. Jose. Mm. <laughs> Jose is still working. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. But it was in Spanish, too. And that was, like, again, having that opportunity to express how you want to feel in your own language in a country like the U.S. That is... It's... 40 million people speak Spanish. Yes, here. 40 million. So, yeah, we're hoping to open an avenue for that. So at the end, it's not just, okay, we are going to compose a piece of music. It's also to create this kind of sense of, you know, again, friendship. Uh, and then when we start talking, I remember that we talk about music, of course, but it was not just about music, you know, <laughs> or it's, ne- it's, never, it's never about just music, which I guess that's actually the whole point here. Uh, and then 
we shift conversation so quickly. <laughs> like we move, we move from empanada arepas making to I don't know <laughs> techniques in the violin, <laughs> and <laughs> and that is I again. This is the part that I love because I honestly don't see that. At least what I do is this kind of profession, you know, in a way. Uh, my best friends are composers, conductors. Uh, so I basically feel that I talk about music all the time. <laughs> so having during this podcast was very interesting because I was able to share and feel you guys, your opinions, and also how you react or how you feel. Uh, you know, regarding some very specific uh, aspects of the composition. So yeah, for me, the podcast was very, very interesting. It was like I just hung in uh, <laughs> with friends. Yeah, it was basically like we hung out like for three hours. So yeah, that's part of it. It's going to come a little bit later and it's going to come in video just to provide uh, captions in Spanish and in English, of course. The topics that we, we discussed were... Uh, the first one, we focus on the pressure of knowing it all and technology mm-hmm. and how that has played a huge part now in, 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 in our world of making new music or new music, um, <laughs> musica nueva, whatever, uh, cal- contemporary classical music and how the attitude is not as collective as we would like uh and how collaborations are a little bit uh like the composer needs to know it all like it needs to know technology needs to know videography it needs to know graphic design it has needs to know all of this instead of shifting responsibilities uh, as a more communal situation so we talk a little bit about the downsides and the upsides uh, of both because you can see it as an upside having some type of obstacles to create something be it music or be it something graphic um so we talk a little bit about that then we shift our focus on how to uh, on creating original content like what does that even mean yeah that is a fascinating topic (laughs) because and and yeah jose jose really focused on this topic how we all have this agglomeration of influences and just because we are able to focus not focus but to combine all of this in us that therefore bring something original but that might be not not always the case Mm -hmm. and he brought the an example about how some orchestra pieces all of them start with just one tone and we talk about that like one like long tone and <laughs> nine out of ten is an oboe <laughs> and how is this trend and how these judges might see it and so how can we cater to the judges in a competition so that was also something that Loki talk about mm-hmm. then we shift uh, in our uh, on Natalie and I talk about our identities of how being an immigrant, which is the case for the four of us. Some of us are have been here longer and made some roots. Like Natalie is staying here. She just gave birth to a beautiful baby. Jose, Jose has been also longer. I've been longer too. James is a little bit later. So we see all those perspectives and all this process because it really shifts through time. Um, there is mm-hmm. the culture shock. Uh, there is this 
moment that you live between worlds. If you are in the States, you are too Colombian. If you are in Colombia, you are too American. Or you are becoming. And yeah. how? <laughs> oh, was that? that? you are becoming American. Or you are becoming American. Uh, and we and we may, like I, I mentioned how my friends told me that my Spanish became discovery kids, like neutral <laughs> Spanish. And I freaked out. I'm like, oh my God, I lost my, my, um, your sound my accent yeah but then this idea of the migration will be always be a fascinating conversation yes absolutely. <laughs> because that's what humans do we move around <laughs> <laughs> all the time in one case people move because they have the power to move and then destroy another part <laughs> uh, or in other cases because they just move because they have to you know I think that is fascinating that even by just changing the city or the town, you start feeling so many things at the same time, like this outsider uh, mindset or the idea of belonging to a place. So in a way, I feel that everybody has experienced a tiny version of that, maybe because you just change your move to a different city. And then immediately you start feeling everything is different, even even within the same country. Uh, or, for instance, this happens a lot in places like in Bogota, where the city is so big, and then there are so many ta- uh, yeah, neighborhoods. And even within those neighborhoods, you feel the accents. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then if you study in the same place, uh, high school or whatever, or university, you start feeling this kind of exchange of sounds and accents in the same city, and you notice right away, <laughs> like, right? Yeah. And so then when you change this to another, you know, you move to a different country, that is even more emphasized. But in a way, I really like that somehow we, in a tiny version, experience the idea of immigration. Because it means that we actually could talk more open about those subjects um, freely, in a way. Because I feel that nowadays it's becoming more like, uh, or we talk very deep, or we don't say anything. (laughs) Right? And then I guess that it it should be just part of our conversations, you know? We talk. Of course, there are people that feel that they don't have anything to say. But I, I doubt it, you know? I think that even if you don't move, even if you live, I don't know, in the same apartment your whole life, you somehow experience other, other kind of similar encounters, I guess. So yeah, so the idea of that we talk on the podcast about the... We call it the pressure? No. Yeah, the seeing from outside, something like that. I just don't remember. Let me see, let me see. I have it here. I mean, I had to translate because uh, <laughs> part of it is expectations and I think that's how it started. Expectations. Like the expectations from mm-hmm. the American gays and the expectations from the Colombian or Venezuelan gays uh, because mm-hmm. it's, it's different. Uh, it's different how mm-hmm. you are perceived and how you get lost on those perceptions and is reclaiming that to you and making mm-hmm. peace with it. So we, like Natalie and I, we talk about it uh, more in depth um, and also how identity plays and how 
interacting with other identities and how our perception of other identities, marginalized or not, uh, affect our um, compositional or creative process, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I think... Yeah, it's, it's like... <laughs> sorry. No, yeah, no, no, sorry. keep going, keep going. No, it's like sometimes we don't even have our minds clear because we are still like struggling because one something that happened in the grocery store for instance <laughs> you know because that could change our whole mood and then when we are going to you know compose something we don't even have the energy <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like in a way yeah they definitely those uh, tiny I mean those are not just tiny those life encounters are really and even more nowadays because of social media Mm -hmm. um, and also because politics took this topic uh, to an extreme, I guess. But uh, yeah, especially also in places like in New York or in the East Coast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where is the foundation of those places is based on immigration. Mm. So it's part of the, I will say, nature, <laughs> as we all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And within that topic, I mentioned the whole concept of Latinidad and being Latinx or being Latine. And the, even the word Latinx and Latine, uh, the implications of both. Uh, Latine comes from Spanish and Latinx comes from English. So we as immigrants are dealing with both in a way. It's like if you don't say Latinx, you are not being um, inclusive. and But also the whole idea behind Latinx imposing to the countries outside the US, the implications could be as imperialistic as as like why does mm -hmm. we have to why does people who live in Latin America have to take that when they have another option that for them is more comfortable and it makes more sense within their first language. So that's very we, we discussed that very briefly too. And coming back mm -hmm. to the concept of Latinidad is how you become this uh, outsider identity from the what we perceive as the white American canon, right? Like the cisgender male white man and how even though you don't identify, like when, when you are born, and, and that was my case, I cannot speak for the rest, but I think it's similar. I was born, I, my, my mind was always, I'm Colombian, I'm Colombian, I'm Colombian. And as soon as I moved to the U.S., I became part of this umbrella that I never asked part, to be part of. And Latinidad, you know, like I became Latina. And, <laughs> and how I take that concept of, yes, um, my um, my my is Mexican, my Guatemalan, my Venezuelan, my Cuban, my Ecuadorian, Peruvian sisters and brothers. Yes, we are tied by the Spanish language. I reclaim that, but I cannot reclaim the whole Latin the, the term of Latinidad because it means that me being white is erasing other identities within the concept of Latinidad just because we are perceived from another angle. Um, and standards. Yeah. So yes, uh, 
so that that that's part of it and we we talk a, a little bit more about that I, I went more in depth on that i don't want to give too much away i just want to give a brief introduction so you spoilers what was that spoilers <laughs> no spoilers i mean a little bit this. of spoilers a little bit not um and this is just to make people excited about what we're talking about and be open to the idea of subtitles and the idea of reading a little bit more and we're gonna mention that in a moment so that was our little summary on the podcast that is coming up uh and now we would like to discuss why we want why we did it in spanish and why it's important for us and i think This is like a nice way to get to know us. Now we are going to talk about the 10,000 reasons. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Now we are going to write a dissertation and then you will know why in Spanish. I guess that <laughs> actually it doesn't have to have profound reason <laughs> because at the end we all know that we need it <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a yeah. way. And... Like from 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 you know my own you know personal journey whatever, I feel that my mind is mutating to a kind of bilingual sort of speak mindset where I can shift or switch mm -hmm. between languages. But in most of the cases, I really have to change like my whole mindset. Like this is my I want to speak jazz in English, and then when I want to try, for instance, to find a word in Spanish, I cannot find that word. Because it's like, I am in the, you know, these bots of English, whatever. Mm -hmm. Or the other way around, when I am in Spanish and then I have to quickly say something in English, I basically cannot say right away anything. Or in some cases, it's happened the other way around. You are speaking in English, speaking in English and then you find a quicker, maybe faster direct word in Spanish. Right? Like, it's easier to say, I don't know, something... In, in either language so at the end it's, it's very interesting what is happening in, in, in your mind you know and and then now that you also feel that you are more comfortable saying or talking about maybe your work maybe because the techniques that you use you feel more comfortable explaining those techniques I don't know in Spanish or the context of I don't know in your case I just, I just don't want to say anything but anyway <laughs> like the sampling ideas that you have Like, it sounds actually very different when you display those ideas in Spanish. Uh, like, for instance, like, for me, my English is very formal, I feel. Mm -hmm. So, but in Spanish, I could say, I don't know, more how I really feel my technique work, I guess. And then, yeah, like, I feel like sometimes I feel, I sound very you know formal but at the end I, I just not like that you know I am more chill yeah <laughs> I am very sarcastic <laughs> in Spanish but I, I feel that sometimes in English people don't understand my my jokes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this kind of thing so at the end um, I feel that I have like two personalities oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely oh. and that's not new right um, no I think as, he, as even I'm pretty sure I've read there was uh, a paper about it and Imagine. even how you pronounce it like if if someone is gonna start listening to this and is gonna notice how James talk or I talk in English and then compare it to Spanish either Spanish or English are gonna be on a higher tone or a lower tone mm -hmm. and the attitude is completely different and 
I completely agree. Like there is, it's like I don't I don't know how it happened to you, but at least to me, when I move to the U.S., I moved when I was seventeen and a half. So for me, that was very young in comparison to when I, where I'm like how old I am right now. Uh, so when I speak in Spanish, it's like I connect with that girl in two thousand four. So a lot of mm-hmm. my mentality is, is it's not like I become 17, but a lot of my personality traits that when I was 17 are established in Spanish, right? As in English, I have grown. Like I became an adult in English. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's again, it's not like, it, it is very, yes. Like at 17, I felt more confident in Spanish. For school, I was such a good writer that my teachers wouldn't believe me. That paper mm-hmm. was mine. And... And that shift nice. when I moved to the U.S. because I had to learn the language quickly, and I wasn't a good as good as writer, and I stopped writing Spanish. So there was a a trauma developed into that, into learning the language, and especially because I did not. It is not like I wanted to move. It was like we're moving, and that's. I mean, it's part of life, and like you said, like immigration by choice is different by immigration by by force or by an by an external reason that you are not you cannot exercise your right to say no or mm-hmm. when I speak Spanish yeah I mean it feels different definitely um I'm learning how to be better with English I feel that I'm more apologetic than I would like to be in English, <laughs> uh, like oh, I don't I get the, I don't get your habits, so therefore I'm failing, and it's not mm-hmm. that. It's it's, and I mean I've been here, like this year is going to be when I'm 17 years in the, the U.S. So at this point I'm half and half, like completely yep. split, and you have to celebrate it. So yeah, I and I, I when I when I move to the U.S. I'm like I always wonder. How am I going to be in 17 years? Like, who who that person mm. is going to be? Uh, I'm gonna, am I going to be fully Colombian or I'm not? <laughs> like, or what does that even mean? Uh, exactly. So I'm sorry. Like, we are a little bit drifting. Uh, about that's fine. So we we have more reasons for the Spanish. Yes, we have lots of reasons for the Spanish. The other thing that is important to us is just. Spanish is our first language, so it feels more personal. And also, not that it's only personal, but some of our families don't speak fully English, and they they are curious to know. Hey, we don't get what you're doing. <laughs> like, yeah, you're. What, what does being a composer mean? Like, what is that? Like, where are you at in life? Like, and we have talked about it so many times in English to other people that have not our context and even though mm-hmm. they're, they're, they could sympathize the sympathy, the, the sympathy is limited because they have not been there not because they don't mean to not because they don't want to it's because when you meet somebody else you have to meet them halfway or where I mean you cannot get the full experience if you haven't gone through it you can listen mm-hmm. to it but I don't feel that you can really feel it as your own so that that was another thing yep. um that and also uh like i also feel like again going back to this idea of friendship 
We also have friends that are not either musician or artists. So, but somehow they want to know what we do. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, they are based in Colombia, of course, or in Venezuela. So they want to know, you know, just maybe just maybe even they simply want to hear us, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then this could be a way to connect. Maybe it's kind of naive, but I, in a way, I do feel that this idea of maybe there are just two, you know, two people there <laughs> that want to hear this one. Yeah, I like... Um, and and that's why, like, for us, in like, half, like, yes, we speak English, we understand English, but to connect to the other side, English is a, is a is an obstacle. Is it still there? Yeah. So part of it is just I would love for my brothers to know what. I I mean, yes. Like, how do I come to know, talk about this, or why I think about this? Because I don't think, even though they have listened to my music, kinda. I think I don't think so, but maybe. Uh, (laughs) um, Maybe they maybe they will they will after they will, (laughs) but they will be curious to know, or at least if they listen to that Mm -hmm. podcast, they would know more about me Mm -hmm. in that sense. This is not to say that they I don't know that like we never talk. Yeah. We talk, but we never talk about that. We just talk about family things, and it's also like why I'm gonna talk mm-hmm. about with my family about music all the time. I mean, when I do it, mm-hmm. like it's my job, and <laughs> you know, so um, that that's part of it. Yep. So it's it's holistic in a way, just like to make it full circle. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, we and we're hoping to expand the audience and to open doors to somewhere else. That's also part of it. And I also one of those new, I don't know, maybe uh, revenues of audience. Uh, they are maybe located here in the states, and maybe they are just musicians in general. Maybe they are not composers, or maybe they are not into new music, what we call whatever. But maybe they are, you know, just learning. So many people are learning Spanish nowadays. And I, I guess that is actually part of high school. Like you learn a little bit of Spanish. It could be also like an opportunity. So, so many people hear podcasts, myself included, to know about history, to know about, I don't know, copyrights. So people use use podcasts also to practice languages, you know. So this could be a music experience and learning Spanish for you. <laughs> Shout out to Alison who speaks like from Jack Quartet. He speaks, uh, he he learns Spanish and he said that he listens to podcasts in Spanish. I don't know, but of course it's not everybody. But there is this perception that people hate subtitles in in the U.S. and it's interesting <laughs> to see that the rest of the world is okay, but the U.S. is not okay. Uh, so. It's just opening that mm-hmm. avenue, like, hey, let's make subtitles okay, and let's make translations okay, and let's open up. And I think we're in a moment mm-hmm. that, at least what I see in Generation Z, that they really want to connect with the world, and they, they, they see the U.S., how the world sees the U.S., and I think that's a very interesting moment in time that I honestly, since living here... I never seen and I don't know it's exciting I, I feel that people now have this the same sense 
I feel like we're aligning to, I mean, this is maybe like too esoteric and maybe I'm making it up, but this is what I've seen. Uh, that go, go. <laughs> like the average person is kind of connecting with the, in the US, uh, is connecting to the world in a way that it hasn't been before. Um, be it by social media, be it mm -hmm. by, I mean, I would say mostly TikTok because <laughs> because, yeah it's funny I'm kind of obsessed <laughs> with it uh, it's okay uh, because I've seen so many or, types or of people hmm. that I, I never th I never thought I would see with that ease uh, in any way and it's exciting mm. but yeah uh, I feel that the US is getting more internationalized of how it sees itself I mean I'm, I, I don't see the obviously the govern government not but I think the people in general I think it's like opening <laughs> the eyes, at least with younger generations, that they they care more than I would see before. Um, um, I think that, yeah, I, I really feel that the podcast would be a subject of interest for <laughs> for so many people. Not only, again, for this thing that you said before, the idea of connectivity, but also the idea of experience, you know, at the end. Uh... We could present and play back our music and that's it. <laughs> or try to explain by words, writing an essay. <laughs> But at the end, I feel like you really know what is going on when the composer says something or the collaborator says something from a you know, very personal experience of what was the experience of writing that or what was the experience of playing that piece. Because on the other side, as listeners, we don't have you know the whole spectrum we don't really need to have the whole spectrum but it's really interesting to have it i guess uh, especially nowadays that we feel that we we want an object we go to amazon we order the object and then we get the object so the object is mine but at the end there are people in the change of events you know and then we forget that the people it sits you know Uh, and it's the same for the process of music making. Like we have maybe collaboration is really nice in terms of the process, you know. It's really nice to have the recording and then we listen to the recording and we say, oh, that piece of host is just amazing, a masterpiece, whatever. But at the end, we are forgetting maybe the decision making, what's happened during the collaboration. And, and then because at the end, that really breaks this idea of, again, master words. <laughs> of the idea that is, oh, it's a perfect object. <laughs> uh, and it, it creates this sense of, oh, the composer didn't know why he or she or they wrote this melody. <laughs> or mm. it was just randomly composed. So the idea of personal and just sharing those or having those conversations, I guess that is, at least for me, is very nice. And like it really, instead of, you know, deleting or removing the mystic or the this kind of special idea of creating and at least for me it's the opposite like it really adds something even more special when you say oh no i just randomly composed this melody for me like <laughs> oh that is so great that you said it you know instead of being oh it was just random I, I yes, think that is actually the of god exactly <laughs> <laughs> at least For me, I think that it's, it's the other way around, you know. It's, if you make, I don't know, numbers, you use numbers. For me, it's never the experience, but I know that I know that you use it. It's like, 
that is super cool, you know, that we have very different ideas. Um, and I guess well, that how we share those ideas is also important. Absolutely, I agree. Well, I agree 100%. And not only that we're sharing those ideas, but how we're sharing it. We're sharing it in, in the comfort of, in the comfort that we have never had before, right? So that's why we're super thankful for TAG, for allowing us those moments, not only just to have that podcast in Spanish that is coming up in summer, so stay tuned, uh, but to also allow us this moment to explain why we did it. I think this would be this this is a nice way to create interest and to humanize our voices because that's I think that's what you're appealing to in what you said, James. That knowing what why really happened in, the, in explaining the way that you want to explain it humanizes the idea behind creating and yes i think that's all like the big conclusion of today <laughs> right and i just want to give a big shout out to tag to allow me to be here uh with James and in the next podcast with Jose and Natalie here too we already recorded it but we're in the process of editing and again thank you so much Lara Charlotte Marina Ellery Madison thank you thank you so much it's so great to offer this opportunity to us um, just to introduce the next the part two of this and so I'll see you all soon and uh, you will hear me in Spanish so Thank you. Yo siempre es como no sé qué si en las despedidas. Es como eh, y que y que Dios me lo bendiga. Y así papito vaya que mi Dios me lo bendiga. That was DMR and James Diaz. Check the show notes for more information about Diana and James. The music in this episode is from Variation 10 by DMR. This piece was also featured in last week's episode, Playlist. Today's episode was produced by DMR with help from Marina Kifferstein. If you're enjoying the Talk Editions podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe so others can find us. For more information about Talk, go to talkensemble.com or find us on your social media platform of choice. Thanks for listening.